welcome back to another episode of the Language Lounge. And my name is Michelle Ola. And today I have my wonderful colleague and friend and French person extraordinaire with me today. And in honor of National French Week, we're going to talk about all sorts of things French, right, Terry? So Terry Hammett, thank you so much for being here. When we had our beginning kind of conversation and we were kind of talking about what we might talk about today, there were a couple words that kept coming up with you that I really loved. And one of them is just, well, first of all, just your passion for the French language, for the French cultures and communities and the people who speak it, and your support for French teachers is just always so evident whenever we whenever we talk. Um, but the other word that kept coming up was connection, like connecting learners to the language and and learners to the community and teachers to, you know, to resources and teachers to each other. And there's just such a great, um, just a great energy in the, that word connection. And so I'm just really excited to talk with you about some of the connections that you've made in your life and career, both to you know, that French speaking community and the language, um, but also with other teachers and some of the experiences you've had. So I'm just excited to have you and ready to get talking all things French with you. So welcome, Terry. Ah, thanks, Michelle. It's really an honor to be with you today. Um, I love your podcast. Ah, you're so sweet. (laughs) And so here, let's, let's start with just some of your, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and talk about some of your, um, your experiences with, you know, kind of this path that's brought you to here, um, you know, with your, your passion for, for the French language and for French teachers and, and, and the communities. So what what brought you to this point here a little bit, Terry? You don't have to t- you tell us as much as you want, but I would oh. love to hear kind of I know a little bit of your story and I think it's very interesting. Yeah. So Yeah, so basically, um I live in Louisiana, but I'm from Pennsylvania. Um I grew up there in a very traditional family and um I was the oldest of four kids and I was fortunate enough to take French uh, starting in middle school. So that was really cool. I only took French because my best friend took it. Um, But what, what my parents said when I said that I wanted to be a French teacher, they told me that I, they did not want me to be a French teacher. They would not help me pay for college if I wanted to be a French teacher because I would never get a job. And so um, they really didn't encourage me to go to college that much. It was my teachers who encouraged me. So I did. I went to college. Um, and finally, um, I, I, by process of elimination, I became a psychology major. And um, a friend of mine who was a French major, because her parents decided they would pay for that, um, she went to France her junior year. And I watched her get ready. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to double major. <laughs> so I, I became also a French major and I went to France. And I actually thought I knew a lot, believe it or not. <laughs> College student, you think you know a lot and then you go somewhere else and you begin to see the world in a different way. And that's when I realized how much I didn't know. So that really set me off in a different trajectory um, so that uh, France, uh, learning French, 
actually then took me to Germany because I met my husband. Um, he was a soldier, American soldier in Germany, and we met at different youth hostels <laughs> in Europe. And um, yeah, so anyway, long story short, we got married. We lived in Germany. I picked up German. So I learned German as a language um, in the country. Uh, without schooling, basically, I taught myself because I figured I already knew French. I could do German, and um, so so anyway, Germany Germany was great. I loved German, but uh, we decided to leave Germany and come home to the United States about five years later. And when we came home. Um, we came home to Louisiana and I was like, what is this? You know, coming from Pennsylvania, it was the hardest move I ever made. Going to France was not real easy from Pennsylvania. Going to Germany was super easy. But moving back to the United States, to Louisiana was crazy. I really had a hard time. Nobody liked the way I cooked. Nobody liked <laughs> my experiences. It, it was, it was something else. And so, um, the only thing that kept me going was French here in Louisiana. I found my French community in Louisiana and I started, um, teaching French in Louisiana and lo and behold, all these opportunities opened up to me, um, because I spoke French. Not only did I meet people from all over the French speaking world, um, I got scholarships. I got a scholarship to Besançon, France. I got a scholarship. It was an immersion scholarship for teachers in the language for one month at LSU. Um, our nickname for that universe for that experience was l'Université des Vingt-Cinq Sous, which um, anytime you spoke a word of English, I mean, we lived together in a sorority house. So we took classes, pedagogy and language classes. Um, but anytime you spoke English, you had to pay 25 cents. <laughs> so, and so anyway, it, that, those were great experiences. So I started teaching in Louisiana, taught for 20 years, great friends, spoke French, not only from teaching, but with a lot of colleagues here. And then after that, um, I was asked to teach French immersion, which was a huge leap. I taught fifth grade French immersion, and then I uh, was asked to apply at the Louisiana Department of Education to work with language teachers. So um, I first said no, <laughs> and then um, they came back a little bit later, and I decided to do it because I could travel. So nice. I worked with the Department of Education, and it did travel, and I worked with foreign governments. Um, with Education Nationale, with Ministère des Affaires Étrangères in France, with the Communauté Francophone de la Belgique. I mean, just everything. So it was very, very cool and uh, did that along with lots of other stuff, supporting <laughs> teachers. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a lot, but I loved every minute of it. So, yeah, and now I work at Wayside. But, Michelle, you said something about connection. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about French. Um, because I, I am fortunate in that 
I do live in Louisiana and I do get to see, having come from another place, the resources that have been available to me as a teacher of French in Louisiana. There are lots of resources um, and support for teachers here in Louisiana. But, um, you know, we always have to stay vigilant. Spanish is moving into Louisiana big time. And, <laughs> and French teach, French speakers in Louisiana, because in 1921, French was, and any language other than English, was uh, banned in any public government buildings. French was not an open language that people heard in the streets. Um, it, you were not allowed to speak it in school. So uh, kids, the French teachers, the teachers who spoke French got swapped out for English-speaking teachers. Kids couldn't even ask to go to the bathroom. They had a meal wow. or rice. If uh, they were heard speaking French, it was super traumatic for the people. Catholic Church was also involved. They swapped out their French-speaking priests and put English-speaking priests in the parishes. It, it was all out. It was right after uh, World War One. But anyway, they basically tried to kill it. And in 1968, um, there was an article in the National Geographic. I think there were maybe 2 million speakers of French in Louisiana at the time. And they said by like 2000, there would be none. Well, that's wow. not true. Interesting, though, that, that, that deep, rich history, both not always positive, obviously, um, has really affected that area and, and uh, the politics and, and your careers. And, and student, that's so interesting. I didn't know that about Louisiana, honestly. Yeah. Wow. So what's happening now then? What's happened since then? Because I know there is a, a lot going on, right, in Louisiana? Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically, French French speakers were told nobody else could understand the French. It was mm. the dirty French. So in 1974, finally, we had a French-speaking governor. Um, and the governor uh, led a constitutional convention, which made it legal to learn in any language that you desire, including French. So, um, so that's what happened. And actually, I didn't want to really make this thing about Louisiana. But um, yes, so just briefly, there is an organization as a state agency, the only state agency in the United States that supports a language and promotes a language. It's the CODOFIL, the Council on the Development of French in Louisiana, not the Council for the Development of Louisiana French, mind uh -huh. you, okay, which was, I mean, that, that was an issue. Um, but for French in Louisiana, so it's, we speak all vi varieties of French here. Um, just for your, for your French teachers who are listening, um, we bring in a lot of French immersion teachers from all over the world. I'm from all over the country, as a matter of fact, people come here to, uh, teach in our French immersion program. So you might hear, I have heard in a French, in a, in a store here in Louisiana, there was a French immersion kid who said um, he, he, he was telling his dad how, some, how much something cost. And he said it was 99 centimes. No. Okay. So, un piast in Louisiana French is taken from the Spanish uh, 
word for dollar, you know, back when Louisiana was colonized by the Spanish. So the word for dollar in French is piast here in Louisiana. Uh huh. And centime is a French word. And neuf is the way you say 99 in Belgium. Oh, <laughs> oh that's great. Very international. Um, wow. Yeah, it's Louisiana French now. And, you know, we have, yeah, we have lots of variety and lots of uh, standard Cajun Creole French. So moving on from that, I, I find it all very fascinating um, connections for students and teachers, like, because I live here, I know about all this, but right. all over the, the country probably don't. I have uh, been in a school all by myself uh, teaching French. It can be very lonely. I understand. I understand when you're the only French teacher in the district. I understand how much work it is. Yeah. Always uh, multiple preps. Always. Whenever I meet French teachers, it's never mm -hmm. I teach. I need, it's, I've never heard I teach French one. I mean, like, it's always I teach French one, two, AP. You know, it's always, you know, it's a lot, right? Yeah. It, it is a lot. But I've learned that there's a lot of support for teachers of French. Okay. And I'm just going to run down some of the, li the list of some of the organizations and agencies and um, com uh, communities that I've been able to interact with in my teaching, as well as um, making connections with them um, at other levels. So for teachers, uh, as an overall, just an FYI, there is the Organisation Internationale de la Francophonie. And that brings together all of the French-speaking regions and countries in the entire world. There is a wonderful director who has visited Louisiana uh, more than once. Um, but if you go to the website for the Organisation Internationale uh, de la Francophonie, you'll see information in particular about the diversity of the Francophone world. There is um, extreme, comment dit-on, um, extreme activity, a lot of activity from the West African nations that are involved, from Louisiana that gets to be there, even though we're not a country, we get to participate. Canada belongs, Quebec belongs, um, but you get to see the diversity because French is present on every continent of the United States, of uh, the world. And so, yes, it has to do with colonialism, and that's a, a topic that needs to be discussed. But at the same time, um, that still makes French present all over the place. Forbes put out um, a business, business languages, the most important business languages to study uh, for students um, in the world. And number one was, of course, English. Number two was Mandarin. Number three was French, because French is present uh, all over the place. So that's number one. Number two, there's an organization in Canada called La Francophonie des Amériques. And uh, this organization is in Quebec. They're awesome. They bring together all of the Francophones in in this hemisphere, okay? 
And so we're looking at 11 million Francophones in this hemisphere, which, you know, it's kind of surprising, right? I think there are 2 million in the U.S., maybe more. Um, but you've got Louisiana, you've got Maine, you've got New England, um, Missouri, and other places. Even Detroit has a, a French-speaking community. Um, so the the this organization that is supported by the Quebec government, what it does is um, it brings kids and teachers and citizens together in support of La Francophonie. So just as some examples, there's a, a contest, a concours de la bande dessinée, which is um, a contest for um, cartoons, a cartoon contest for students. Um, I think it might go K-12, it might go grade, grade four through 12, but kids submit their entries. Of course, the cartoons always have to be in French. Um, and then they give out prizes, their financial awards that kids get, kids get to vote. And um, anyway, that's, that is super exciting. Uh, there's also l'Université d'été, which brings together, I think it's, it's young people age 18 on, might be up to age 30, uh, bring, brings them together. Sorry, Michelle, I'm doing all the talking. I'm fascinated. And I, trust me, the French teachers out there really appreciate this. Like, this is fantastic. I'm I'm honored to have such an expert talking about these things. And I know that this is appreciated by our, our French teachers, for sure. So keep talking, Terry. <laughs> yeah, so the L'Université d'été is when uh, students, young people from all over, and yes, say you're teaching high school, but this is something that your kids can look forward to. Um, and I think it might be 40, it might be 60 uh, young people they bring in and they teach them about la francophonie. And they also teach them about how to live as a francophone in, in a majority anglophone or hispanophone community. And, and maybe some civic actions that you can take, like believe it or not, legislation makes a difference. And there are things that you can su support and promote. So that's l'université. We were super fortunate this year, the very first time that the l'université was in Louisiana. So, so that's, that's um, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also le Parlement uh, des Jeunes. So le Parlement des Jeunes is uh, like a, a mini UN, except for it's a francophone UN on this hemisphere's level, bringing together students from all over the francophone world. I still believe they have to be 18 for that. But that's not to say you can't look forward to that or if we have college professors. Um, so that's something, uh, once again, the Parlement actually gets more down and into um, maybe pushing um, projet de loi, so bills, legislative bills that might be able to pass. You know, think about our um, seals of biliteracy. Louisiana passed, I'm oh, sorry, I'm talking about Louisiana again, but we passed our global um, seal of biliteracy in six weeks. And we watched and helped other states. Yeah, lead the way, right. 
So, um, yeah, so that's something. There's also Les Editions Tintamarre. Okay, so that is a, I'm going to call it a publishing house. I don't know if it's, if people use that word anymore, those words anymore, but it's a publishing house. It's housed at uh, Centenary College in Louisiana, but it doesn't matter that it's in Louisiana because what it does is it publishes francophone books. Okay, so if you're a francophone, if you love writing in French, then you can write, you can be an author and you can have it published by um, Centenary College's Les Editions Tantamar. And the really cool thing is that it's the students in their classes at the college who do the editing with assistance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you can find Les Editions Tantamar on uh, Amazon. They're, they're there as well. The, the Tantama actually has a writing contest for high school students, American high school students. So you can submit um, your, your entries. You can win a financial award. There are different prizes. And so, you know, we're all about developing French, not just here in Louisiana. I do have to say we have one teacher from Louisiana who he, he was a little intimidated by f- other French speakers, not from Louisiana, and didn't like to share a lot, but he loved to write. And he wrote some poetry books. And lo and behold, he was discovered by the Académie Française. And um, they gave him a prize. And his books, his works are also published in uh, Les Éditions Tantamar. So lots of good stuff there. Um, Alliance Française, like if, if you think about these Alliance Française that are located all over the place, um, some are very active. Some are not quite as active, but in the ones that are active, there's always something going on, cultural, uh, bringing in authors, um, guests that visit schools, um, things like that to provide experiences, which makes me think that Alliance Française is French. Okay, it's from France. So let's talk about the embassies and the consulates of all of the French-speaking um, countries that are available to you to access. Um, so I'll just start with the Embassy of France. Okay, so the Embassy of France has French cultural services, which offer FACE grants. I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly what that stands for, but yearly they um, offer, you can apply for grants uh, through FACE. They may, at one point they were only for immersion, but I'm not sure at this point in time. But they do offer that. They also send um, French guests maybe authors, maybe storytellers, maybe um, maybe some type of actor or celebrity out to schools. So they send them around the country. They do the grand tour and they visit schools. So if you're thinking, well, how come I don't know about this? Contact your um, your NACESFL representatives, so the National Council on the State Supervisors of Foreign Languages, that's NCSSFL, 
I think it's .org. If you go to your web, to that website and you take a look um, and find out who your state representative is on uh, the successful board um, or organization, see who it is, contact them and ask them how you can get um, linked in with some of these activities and things that are offered by um, the French cultural services. So lots of good things there. Belgium, uh, Belgium, so that Belgian embassy represents all of Belgium, but um, they can put you in contact with the French speaking community in Belgium, um, which uh, occasionally they too have um, guests who visit um, from Belgium and go throughout the country offering um, different things to students and teachers. Quebec, uh, Quebec is particularly, it seems to me, interested in economics at this point in time. Um, but, um, you know, obviously with La Francophonie des Amériques, that's not the only thing that they're interested in. So I think that's um, that organization has kind of taken the arm of um, the umbrella of cultural services and things like that. So I'm going to say something that may be a little bit political, but, you know, so I live in Louisiana. Y'all live wherever you live. But if you go up the West Coast, you know, starting, I don't know where, I don't know if Washington, you know, Washington, Oregon, but California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, even now Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, but then you get Florida and you go on up and it's all Spanish, right? It, it, first of all, it's really important for the United States to have more than one one world language, right, to study. But number two, if you're interested in French, okay, because we struggle to be noticed as francophones, this is a, a langue minoritaire, okay, you can have a lot of support, okay, because there are people out there who want to assist and want to help. So um, anyway, these these are just some ideas. The French government also has uh, appareillement, which are partnerships between states and académie in France. So an académie is um, a district kind of like um, a school district. Okay, so the Académie de Rennes, which is in Brittany, France, is partnered with Louisiana because we have a lot of similar, similar situations. We have a langue minoritaire. Uh, they have a Breton. We have French. Uh, their coast is eroding, just like our coast is eroding. Uh, but the coast provides a lot of work, uh, recreational opportunities and things like that, just like Louisiana. So they're, they're, uh, partnered with us. Other states already have a parimont. If you don't know who you have an apparemment with, then check it out. Yeah. You need to contact your successful representative. Yeah. And find out who it's with and how you can get involved in that. They're always. They're always looking for people that can communicate with, that students can communicate with. 
and that's beautiful. Um, I've seen I've seen all kind of communication go back and forth um, between classrooms and communities because of the Paris Mall is very 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 cool. So um, let's see your AATF AATF chapters um, yeah. in different states like. There are scholarships always available for teachers. Like how cool to be able to go to Belgium and uh, have their frit and and spend three weeks in a, a wonderful French-speaking city and, and be surrounded. Oh, my gosh. Be surrounded with people from the French-speaking world who go there, too. I have met people from, from Iran and Libya, and Belarus, and Russia, and our only common language is French. That's and amazing. That's how we communicate. And we talk about how sorry we are that our governments don't get along, but we get along. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's connection. Um, and, you know, and uh, the other thing I'd say on that topic is um, – I, I've been on many boards. I'm on the school board now, but I, and you've been involved in a lot of organizations. And a lot of times teachers are like, well, I'm not going to get that scholarship or they're not going to choose me. And the opposite is often the case. Often there's no, there's not a lot of applicants that are applying to these things. You know, teachers don't think like they're going to do it, that there's going to be like 50 applicants. And I got to go on a Fulbright scholarship to um, experience to Ecuador and Peru. And I mean, like they were begging. I didn't know that at the time. Like, you know, they were begging for people. They didn't have enough people to fill the the spots or to yeah. fill out that opportunity. So I do want to encourage teachers, like you said, to to reach out to some of these opportunities because you'd be surprised at not only how many there are, but that that a lot of times they're they're actively looking for people. And, you know, there's um you know, you have a very good chance of, of being able to, you know, take in some of these experiences. Yeah, you're so right. I'm glad you brought that up, Michelle, because I know that's true. And having been in a situation when I worked at the Department of Ed to see who was applying and who, you know, and that we had scholarships we had to give away. And sometimes I mean, we had a number of scholarships at the time. I'm not sure. Sh- I'm not sure there are as many at this point. I don't know, but we had to find people who would apply because if you don't, you lose them. And then in the future, you don't have them to offer. So, yeah. Michelle, I can't hear you. That's me. Um, Along with all of these um, experiences, did you have some other ones that you wanted to share? And I I know, you know, some of them ranging from like AATF to like all of these global ones. And I think the big thing that I love is that all of these are ways kind of like you, you know, when you were in college and, and maybe your path went in a whole different direction because of one experience, right? And so we never know with our students what that one experience might be. It might be one of these speakers that comes in from the French embassy, or it could be, you know, any one of these um, contests or experiences that just lights that passion, um, you know, for our students. And and so I just love that you're providing all of these kind of opportunities that French teachers may not 
not be aware of, you know, so, um, you know, connecting that language and those opportunities that are, that are out there for teachers and for students. Uh, did you have any other ones on your list? Cause I'm working, don't worry people, French teachers, if you're, I should have said this in the beginning, if you're like frantically writing things down, we'll put all of these in the show notes. We'll put all of the links of, of everything in there. Um, you know, don't, I hope you didn't get in a car accident as you were <laughs> trying to keep track of all of the resources that, that Terry was mentioning. Um, but what other experiences have you, um, have you had connecting teachers with communities. Um, and I know even, and again, I think it's, I think it's great that you're talking about Louisiana because I think that there is that opportunity that you have there and some of the things that you've done. I know you've talked to me about some of your, um, we were, I was just talking about affinity groups, but some of the, the organizations or the people that you connect with and you build relationships and you speak in French and you explore those French, you know, cultural things and, and all of that. Um, I think those are things that we can model in places not in Louisiana, right? So I think that that because you have that rich experience there, um, you're able to kind of, you know, give that 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 uh, template, so to speak. Um, so I, I know that you're involved with the French community in Louisiana a lot. So why don't you tell us a little bit of your experiences um, right there at home in Louisiana that you've had with with the Francophone community and language and and all of that? Yeah. Well, thanks, Michelle. So, um, yeah, so I am currently on the um, Cutterfield board. And I think, let's see. I, all right. I, looks like my internet is a little slow. We'll see what's, what's going on here. But anyway, um, so yes, um, I am involved with Cotophil and one of Cotophil's legislative, um, op- obligations is to, um, promote la fran- la franco responsabilité. Okay. We want people in Louisiana to be franco responsable which means that services can be provided for um, French speakers in Louisiana. Um, Meaning that if you want to go to a restaurant and the restaurant has a French-speaking waiter, okay, there's going to be a a plaque outside that's going to say French spoken here, okay? And it it will, um, this is put out by Codafil, okay? So in particular, so this this is a huge inventory that needs to be made of the state. So we've started in Lafayette, um, Lafayette, Louisiana, which is kind of the Cajun Creole heart of Louisiana. Um, but just think about it. So this whole idea of Franco responsable, because French speakers in Louisiana were, um, there was a stigma against them to speak French. They didn't want to be heard. Okay. So they didn't. And then all these other languages come in and they're speaking their language all over the place, but French people are not. Okay. So it's an initiative which Codafil has kind of rebranded as the We Initiative. There are little pins that you can wear. And um, the We Initiative is just taking on that Francophone identity. And so you're in an elevator, right? It's not odd to be in an elevator and hear somebody speaking, hear people speak in Spanish, right? Well, by golly, we're going to get in the elevator and we're going to speak French, you know? 
And we're going to speak French when we go to a restaurant. We're going to speak French. Okay. So people are going to hear that, hey, this language is not dead. And I think that's like something that I'm super passionate about is that it's a living language that can be used around the world with communities in the U.S. You know, why not have pen pals? Or I don't know what they're called now. Key pals. Classroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Text pals. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it does. you don't have to go out of the U.S. Or you can go to Canada or, you know, whatever you want. Um but it's it's about taking on our identity and being responsable with it. There is a group. Um, they used to be called the Franco Jeune, the Young French, the Franco Jeune, <laughs> um, and they used to have. Oh gosh, what did they call it? Piast amas. Remember, piast is the word for dollar. Amas. So amas uh, dollar. Um, dollars in mass. And what they would do is find some of those places where French is spoken at a bank, at a post office, at the gas station, at a, a bakery or whatever. And it would be like a flash mob. And so they would communicate with each other. We're going to meet at one o'clock in the afternoon at, you know, Poopa's Bakery or whatever. And they would all go there and meet there and show there's an economic reason to speak French, right? That's great. Um, so so the Franco Jean have now become the Franco Marie and um the 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 French marrieds. The French marrieds avec bébé. <laughs> Quite as active right now. Um but you know taking on that identity um is really important. We do have Tele Louisiane, you asked me to talk about some of the things here in Louisiana. So Tele Louisiane is um, an online television station with reporters about Francophone things that are going on. They even recently, they are the official Francophone na- network of the Saints, our football team. So you, if you and your kids want to find out uh, the different plays that are going on with the Saints on Sunday afternoon, and you want to tune in in French, voila, you, you can that's do That's great. Yeah. I just think that's so important, too, to, you know, just broaden that idea of where, you know, French is spoken and that it's spoken here. It's spoken here at our communities. It's spoken, it's spoken, it's spoken here in Florida. It's spoken in Louisiana. You know, it's spoken in a lot of places um, here in the United States as well. And so I think that that is important to not always look for, you know, maybe some students are never going to go to France, right? But they might go someplace closer to home. They might go to Quebec. They might go to Louisiana. You know, they might go to Maine. They might go to some of these places. And so I think that's um, fantastic to really you know, focus on, you know, some of the French and our communities here, right, in the United States yeah. as well. That's awesome. And and also, Michelle, what is super cool, too, in Louisiana, I find people just speak French. Like, like in the French-speaking community, like, it doesn't matter what your level is. You could be a novice high. You, you could be, you know... What comes after advanced? I don't even remember, but superior <laughs> doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. 
so you could be whatever and you speak and you make mistakes and you don't pronounce things correctly, but we don't care because the point is that we are going to develop this language as a minority language in a a world that's Anglophone. So I just think if we can get that attitude all over the place, because I know, I know having um, learned French as a second language, how hard that can be to take the risk to speak with native speakers. Um, so, so I think that's a really cool aspect of Louisiana. Um, yeah. So I, I want think to that's one, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say just one other thing that I, I hope will help teachers and, um, yeah. So I've done a little bit of research, um, and the research that I've looked at, um, is about immigrants um, going back to the 90s, um, looking at how immigrants adapt to their new culture and um, how they learn their new language and things like that. And remember, some immigrants don't come because they want to. They come because they're forced to. And they found that um, when immigrants accept and identify and kind of invest in their new culture, then their language increases in proficiency levels, okay? So Hall is one of the first, I think he was in 1996, and I can put all this information in the show notes as well. But for them, it's about investing and being a member of the new culture. Um, it's investing in a new identity as well. So like for me, as a speaker in an area that is uh, has a langue minoritaire, I think this can easily, easily translate um, into our situation as teachers. So... Let's say that you invite a Francophone speaker to class. Let's say that you might listen to music from the French-speaking world. You teach kids to count on their fingers, beginning with the thumb. You um, have classroom communications, like any one of these little things. But Each little one of these things is like a tiny sprinkle of gold dust, right? You think that each one of these little things is nothing. But when you gather each one of those little tiny investments or identifications as a Francophone speaker together, you amass something, okay? And the more you offer students and yourself, the more francophone identity you create, okay? And that's what I think moving beyond, gosh, what was it with culture? Um, So when I started learning, when I started my pedagogy classes, 
um, actually at LSU, um, we talked about big C and little C culture. Okay. And then after that, we started talking about uh, the three, the three P's. Okay. And I think there was something, something after that. No, maybe not. So the next step, I think, is developing that identity, right? Um, because if you develop that identity, you create French speakers with higher and higher proficiency levels. And like, that's what teaching French is all about. It's about going beyond the walls of the classroom taking part in adventures with other Francophones in your region, in your country, in your hemisphere. L'union fait la force. The connection that's there, making a difference to see the world in a different way. Um, one of my favorite teachers, Michelle Bro, who now works at the Louisiana Department of Education. Michelle used to teach uh, French 1 and 2. And she took her twos on a field trip. The field trip was paddling in the Atchafalaya Basin, and the, f- the field trip was with a French-speaking guide. And every one of those French twos went on to French three. That's not normal, okay? So those little experiences, you might think, oh, it's just a drop in the bucket. It's not. Um. And one of my high school students, I'll leave you with this. One of my high school students said, when I learn another word in French or Arabic, I see the world in a different way, a way that I never would have seen if I didn't know those languages. So she said that in English, um, but I just think that's what we're about. I love that. That is just the perfect way to kind of end this conversation. And I love that all of those resources that you shared earlier in the in the episode really all are those little specks of gold, right? That little gold dust that, you know, you give those opportunities to yourself as a, as a, maybe a French, you may think of yourself as a French teacher, but do you think of yourself as a French speaker, right? So building your own identity as, as a French speaker, not just as French teacher, and then passing that on to students. Um, what a beautiful, what a beautiful gift, right? Yeah. Wonderful. So Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Terry. I will definitely put, there was a lot of really great information. Um, I'm really happy you were here to talk about all things French for this National French Week. It's been a wonderful conversation. And I know that the French teachers out there appreciate the love because I know sometimes I have I have a Spanish bias just because that's the language I know. So I'll, you know, I'm really happy to provide the space for you to just speak directly to those French speakers and those French teachers out there. And thank you for, for doing that. So we'll have you back again, Terry. Thank you so much. Hey, merci beaucoup.